diving into data. Diving, di diving, d data. Diving into data with TC Riley. Hello, hello, hello again, everyone, and welcome into another episode of Diving Into Data. I am your host, Big Data, TC Riley. How are we doing out there? How's life treating you? Rolling on into March, getting into spring. Hopefully it's warming up where you're at. Got another exciting episode of Diving Into Data for you folks today and a cool topic and an awesome guest. With me today, one of the members of my team, we brought in David in my last one, if those of you who listened. And this week we have Shannon Dyer joining me, one of the members of my team. She's an engagement analyst here at MarketScale. Um, it's one of the go-tos with all the things we do with data. So Shannon, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited that you're here. And I am also very excited about this topic. Um, for those of you who know Shannon and I at all, you know, one of the only issues we have from a manager-employer relationship is that sometimes we go on tangents about sports for far longer than we probably should from a professional efficiency perspective. I, yeah, I, I think we definitely talk sports more so than actual work most days, but... That's and the good news is now we're doing it on a recording and we're intentionally doing it, so it's okay. But Shannon had an awesome idea for a topic that we're going to cover today, and that is specifically lidar and other technology in sports. How lidar is opening up new data possibilities in sports. For those of you who have listened before, you've heard us talk about data in sports over and over and over. Whether it's just me or whether some of the episodes Tyler Kern joined me for in the past. It's an awesome intersection of two of my favorite things, and it happens to be Shannon's two favorite things as well. So we're going to dive into that today and be talking about LiDAR and other technology in sports. With that, please sit back, relax, grab a drink if you choose to do so, and let's dive into some data. Alrighty, so LiDAR and other technology in sports. So uh, first off, you might say, what's LiDAR? Many of you probably know, but just in case you don't, what LiDAR is, it's a method for measuring, um, using targeted laser light and measuring the time of reflection the light takes to return. Think of it as incredibly accurate surveying in a way. Um, but what it's able to do is based on the difference in return times and wavelengths, you can make a digital 3D representation of a target and get incredibly precise, ridiculously precise measurements on certain things using this technology. In 2019, this LiDAR market was about 844 million, which is a huge number. But by 2024, that's supposed to be up to almost $2.3 billion. So this is a growing industry. We've seen it in different places. We have a couple of incredible clients who utilize this technology and what they do. But we've also actually been seeing laser tech and in some kind of LiDAR in sports for almost a decade at this point. You think about the line to gain in football. Um, that's a common one that people see of where you need to get the first down. That's a leading, that's a laser tech that we're using there. The leading line when you're looking at track and field or swimming or something like that, and you kind of see that, you know, record pace or the qualification pace and things like that. That's kind of this laser tech and LIDAR is maybe the next step, more advanced version of this, but it all ties in together of what you're able to do with these precise measurements. And uh, like, do you have any other example, Shannon, that I'm not thinking of? Oh, yeah. Um, what really actually drew me to this topic was back, you know, this previous NFL season when DK Metcalf chased down Buda Baker to save a pick six, uh, ran 22.6 miles per hour. Um, for those who uh, drive a lot, that's uh, faster than most of the school zones that are allowed in Dallas. So um, that kind of shocked me, kind of scared me a little bit. But that really just kind of drew me in because I was like, wow, how can someone actually be moving that fast and we can actually track that? 
Um, I will say, however, that did not give me any extra fantasy points this season, and I'm still a little bitter about that, but that's (laughs) beside the point. Maybe you should talk to your fantasy commissioner about adding tackles for offensive players. All right, TC. Um, Uh, Next season, we need that. (laughs) Oops. Um, But no, that's a great example of something where I love those advanced stats and what AWS has kind of partnered with the NFL to do, um, the tracking of how fast certain athletes are able to go, the different technologies are able to do. Um, you can apply it to many different sports. And that's actually going to be our primary topic today is we're going to dive into a couple specific sports, how they're using LiDAR, some of this laser tech, and it's feeding this advanced data ecosystem around sports that we've talked about. That's a perfect example. And there are many, many others. So let's go ahead and dive into our first main topic. And Shannon, I know this is one that's near and dear to your heart that you know very, very well. I'm probably not as familiar with it, but I know you own this one. So Let's talk about the world of gymnastics and how LiDAR and laser tech is really influencing that as it comes to data. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in the gym. Uh, my aunt owns a gymnastics center up here in Dallas, and she was my coach growing up. Um, after I retired, I started coaching. And then after uh, college, now I just kind of occasionally go in and tumble when my body decides it wants to cooperate and not feel like it's aching and breaking. <laughs> feel you on that one. Body cooperating gets tougher the older you get. Oh, yeah. Um, And with gymnastics, especially, it's such a physically demanding sport. Like that's I I don't want to open up the debate of, oh, what's the toughest sport? Because I know people will come after me and (laughs) I I, I don't need to start that. But I will say that gymnastics, in my opinion, is one of the most, if not the most physically demanding sports, um, just because you don't have protection. You don't have pads. You have you and a floor or a bar and a beam and it's also just gotten so much more difficult over the past couple of decades and, and really like um, just looking at average female, like the average age of female Olympic athletes, it's actually under 20 because there's just so many good athletes. It's so it's such a competitive space. It's just kind of hard to not necessarily keep up in, but it's hard to stay at the top. It's always crazy to me when I watch the Olympics. For every four years, it's the, there's a new Simone Biles, for instance, and it sounds like you know maybe Simone. Oh, there can will bridge n- there two, will not be but- a new Simone Biles. Simone Biles is the best. She's still like she's throwing skills that they actually can't let her do because they have no way to properly score it. Like it's that like she's throwing that complex of skills that other people can't physically do. Got to change the rules. It's the old uh, Wilt Chamberlain example and the creating a lane in basketball because when you're that physically dominant and hey, see what the NFL does about DK. That dude's a beast in the coming years. But speaking of scoring and some of the troubles around there. Yeah. So um, actually back in 2019 at Worlds, uh, they uh, the International Gymnastics Federation or the FIG uh, partnered with Fujitsu, that uh, technology company based out of Japan that you know, everyone, I feel like everyone has heard of Fujitsu. I had a laptop that was a Fujitsu mm-hmm. laptop I in high school. I had a DVD player back in the day, if I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Fujitsu actually approached FIG and was like, hey, like, we really want to adapt this LiDAR technology that we use, um, like, on cars typically. And that's been um, used recently and kind of expired, inspired by golf swing, te- like, tracking technology um, to really create something that's for gymnastics for them to be able to... Um, really kind of monitor athletes' performance, but also evaluate judging, um, kind of almost not make it easier to judge, but kind of remove that human element mm-hmm. yeah. where that, because, oh gosh. Th- that's something that's always been tough in gymnastics, and there's definitely some other sports, oh, yeah. like swimming and diving, where it's it, anytime you have a person watching 
over weeks, probably hundreds of trials. And even, even if you're just looking at, let's say, you know, the metal round or whatever, still watching dozens of athletes go and perform. And all these athletes are at such a high level. I mean, you, you have to nitpick so much on just the tiniest differences. Oh, so much. Like, I mean, in gymnastics, most, most meets are decided by either a 10th or a hundredth or a thousandth of a point. So it gets really nitty gritty and really competitive. Um, but what they wanted to do was they created this technology. It would scan an athlete's body if they wanted to. Um, athletes were not required for this because they really were kind of test running this for the mm -hmm. Olympics. Um, but they would kind of do a body scan. Um, they would identify, okay, here's the bones, heights, joints, all of that. Um, and then they would have cameras set up at each apparatus or event. Um, and as the athlete came down, they would be able to see on the screen kind of how the body moved and how um, maybe were... I keep thinking of vaults just because vaults was my favorite event. And I'm just like, watch, you could see how they would go over the table and how their body would twist and how they would land. So for this, they didn't actually use it for execution scores. For now, they're just using it to help with like degree of difficulty scores, which does play a big component into scoring. Yeah, but um, they would like it to eventually kind of go into exec execution scores. Mm -hmm. So, um, but for now, it was like that. A lot of people actually did enjoy it. Um, they thought it was really interesting because it does also help them as athletes and coaches train. Because um, with gymnastics, it is a lot of angles. It's a lot of... It's geometry. It's a lot of fast-paced things happening mm -hmm. all geometry at once. Geometry physics. And you are... If you're in the air, you sometimes know when things are off, but not always. So actually be able to have that technology to kind of monitor that is just like really cool. Yeah. I, I'm also... I mean, I, you know me. I love data. So I'm just like, ooh, combining my favorite things. And it's, I think it's really cool because I think this is something that for... I'm going to actually... Both of us might be a perfect use case. Again, I, I know gymnastics enough from the Olympics perspective. I'm not. I'm not going to lie and say I'm the biggest gymnastics follower, but I know enough. I would of, be a little surprised. Not going to lie. Yeah, it's not really my body type has never exactly uh, lended itself to being an excellent gymnast. Um, believe it or not, it's actually the height. It's just the height part. Uh, yeah. Okay. I tell my doctor that. Yeah. But uh, uh, <laughs> with with watching this through your eyes and through my eyes, I think adding this element in again for me, I. I have trouble distinguishing, again, things that I see rated as a low-level difficulty and high-level difficulty. It's hard for me to sometimes tell what really makes those leaps because, I mean, to me, this is all ridiculously hard. I could never do any of these things. I think it's all incredible. But even for someone like you to be able to then take the – so it helps me kind of give me the right frame of mind, say, hey, the computer is saying this thing. But it helps you also be able to take a more um, objective approach to something that maybe, you know, your entire life it's been more subjective – um, and you're able to kind of bounce your personal knowledge. And I bet, you know, when you're watching, you can probably get, you know, nine out of 10 pretty close when it comes to like the general level of difficulty. But it's kind of cool to see how the data would tie in there. And obviously, if they ever get into execution, the tiniest little movements uh, that, man, I already feel like it's tough for those girls and guys. But Oh, it's so it's, I don't want to speak on the guys, but for the girls, it's so tough. It, it Your ability to go to the Olympics almost kind of depends on what year you're born which you can't do anything about that, which is really unfortunate, but it's just so competitive that, you know, it, as I said earlier, I think most, the average age of female Olympic gymnasts is like just under 20 years old. So you right. have a very narrow window before pretty much you retire. You kind of age out of it. Yeah. Yep. So yep. that execution score, because as I said, you know, it comes down to tenths and hundreds and thousands. So being able to kind of take the human error out of an execution score really does make a huge difference. Absolutely. Yeah. And for stuff like this where you mentioned it's it's the 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 margin of error is so, so slim. 
Uh, I think even as a competitor, even if you're not the best, I think you'd have to respect and appreciate the fact that this is, again, objectively, they were better than me. It wasn't something subjective that, you know, I mean, because a million things could come in. They don't like my country. They don't like my, you know, hair. They, oh, they, they, had a, they had a former student who used to do this trick a lot and they never got along with it. it, it there's so many things that could influence, again, that, you know, 9.2 to a 9.1 that ends up being the difference between gold and off the podium at the end of the day. Just saying if you get a 9.2 or a 9.1 in that high level, you uh, are definitely not going to be on the podium. It's all... Nine nine, it's nine point nine eight sevens and nine point nine nine six, and why as I said, Shannon it's very, <laughs> it's, it's very. Slim. So see exactly, see that's this is what, and this is why Shannon's here to talk about gymnastics because I don't even know what I'm talking about. Okay, we'll we'll switch to another sport you have a little bit more knowledge on. Okay, let's do that. Where are we yeah. going next, Shannon? Baseball. Baseball, baseball, baseball. Perfect time of year yeah. for it, right? Spring training's getting wrapped up and ready to kick off the season. Yep, and I actually just went to the new Globe Life Field in Arlington a couple weekends ago to watch some college baseball. Um, it was actually a really great showcase. It was all top 10 matchups. So six different teams, they were all top 10, and it was just a weekend event, and it was awesome. And so also just getting to check out the new stadiums. So how's the stadium? That's what I, I went but I went with the, the wife and the kiddo for, uh, they had like a light display around the holidays we went. So I kind of got to see it. But I also, it's, you know, it, the lights are off. It's Christmas lights. It's not the baseball environment. How's baseball games? At, at the baseball, it was actually a lot of fun, um, especially where we sat. We were right on the third baseline. Um, so luckily, no foul balls came towards me because That's all good. I had to catch a ball was my mask, my baseball hat, and my hand, which I didn't want to sacrifice. <laughs> I, I would recommend. I, it, it amazes me that we're going to get off topic here, but that's okay. It's a, that doesn't it's our, it's that my doesn't podcast. We can do one. That's that's a normal conversation for us. I, I've always been amazed to watch people drop fifty dollars worth of nachos and beer and stuff like that to catch a, a dollar baseball, baseball that. Uh, again, it's a cool memory and stuff like that. If you got a kid and you can give it to, uh, yeah, I get all that and stuff. But to the watch nachos. grown men fight over this, when yeah, like again, it, the, in me, I'm like, I would be the one as you dive for the baseball, I'm diving for your nachos and beer. That's what I care about here. But that's I'm diving to. Uh, oh gosh, it just reminds me of an episode of Friends where like, yes, I just threw a Friends reference in here, where they're in the back seat of a car and they hear, and it's a police car too, and they're on a stakeout, and it's all the guys and. Joey has a meatball sandwich and Chandler and Ross are in the back. They hear a backfire from a car and Joey dives in front of Ross and Ross thinks it's to protect him. And Joey comes back later. He was like, I was just trying to protect my sandwich. Joey Tribbiani, a man after my heart. Ugh. He is the uh, the ultimate foodie. Um, I, I quote Joey doesn't share food all the time. <laughs> that, is I that, don't a, share is that a life queso. motto? I don't share queso. <laughs> anywho, anywho, baseball. Back to baseball, baseball. and LIDAR. <laughs> um, so... Just kind of, granted, everything kind of got a little off with COVID and everything, um, but they actually did make a bunch of changes, including LiDAR. Uh, right before the 2020 season, um, they actually used some LiDAR technology to create digital detailed models of every MLB ballpark um, so that broadcasters, when they're showing replays, um, they can pinpoint um, pretty like pinpoint and drop a camera pretty much anywhere on the field to show replays from different angles. Um, and that's something you really just didn't, you didn't have that. And I'm always one of those, I am one of those fans that's like, uh, show me the other angle. Yes. As I, you see, as you see the, 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 the play at first base from behind the bag where the guy's like, oh, it's close. And when does he hit the ball? And I can't see his glove even much less the ball. Like Exactly. Uh, yeah. uh, don't even get me started on football. Um, but additionally, like they've also 
kind of revamped their StatCast. So StatCast was introduced in 2015. Mm -hmm. um, they even kind of knew that it would only be like a five-year thing that they were going to need to revamp it. So then they brought in um, what's called Hawkeye Technology, which is one of Sony's uh, developments. And so what this pretty much does is it builds upon the accuracy we already had with StatCast. Um, and this technology has been used in tennis and soccer to, you know, signify if a ball's in, in or out. Um, but every park has been fitted with 12 optical cameras operating at 100 frames per second. It's a lot of frames per second. Especially when I think actually think about what a second is. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, that's a lot. Um, it, it doesn't does not comprehend in my mind at all. <laughs> um, but they're using this technology to be able to capture the position and movements of literally everyone on the field. So they can see and monitor pose tracking, which is something you were not able to do before. So they actually updates about 30 times per second at 18 different data points for every single player on the field. It's just nuts. It's so much. And again, I thought StatCast I don't even want to look through all that data. I love data and I would be overwhelmed. Exactly. And StatCast, I remember when it came out, it was so awesome that um, the, the level of detail that we could get, and we've touched on this in the past in the podcast, um, being able to get more accurate, you know, spin rates from a pitcher um, in a pitch and being able to uh, the t tracking technology, just being able to see where the ball crossed home plate. And, you know, they have the kind of overlay on the screen. That was so cool. The StatCast stuff from the home run perspective, knowing down to the, you know, tenth of a foot or whatever it was, how far home run. I thought that was awesome. And this is just so far ahead of that. Even it's it's almost kind of tricky to wrap your mind around. Yeah, because you they'll act they're actually able to measure individual players arms arm angles like stride lengths, bat movements, when the ball leaves the pitcher's hand, which that one is a big one because previously it's all been, you know, just adding some physics, looking at, you know, velocity change and all of that. Um, so that one is actually a big one because that also does affect how, you know, players train and how coaches kind of review the data. Absolutely. Um, because, I mean, like gymnastics, it's all a game of angles. Yep. And so having that, having that data of being able to see, hey, this is – like the ball's releasing at this point. Maybe we just need to tweak this a little bit. Granted, I did not play baseball growing or I definitely didn't play baseball. I did not play softball either. Um, my sister did. But so I don't have all the the knowledge, the firsthand experience of that. But I just love watching baseball. But uh, it definitely does just affect how how players train and actually into how they're getting picked up by professional teams. Because if you have all this data and it's showing, hey, like this is a weakness, it might actually hinder your uh, chances of being picked up and your contract. And, and I think, yeah, there's a number of points to touch on there. Because one, yes, the uh, again, we had technology just from like photo technology and stuff. You could see if a guy was throwing, you know, three quarters uh, position you know, off to the side instead of over the top. Sure, they could see that on traditional video. They could work with them there. But now what we're able to do is, hey, you're at 12.5 degrees and we really need that curveball to be at 11 to get the best. Like we need you to, br you need to bring that hand in. And we could be talking literally, you know, millimeters, you need to adjust your stance and stuff, but you're able to train this. And with the technology, you're going to get a ridiculous amount of data, amount of data points over and over and over, be able to build things that I'm willing to bet the, you know, that coach that has always said, uh, you need to be at that 11 degree mark or whatever it may be, you know, almost straight overhead, 90 degrees straight up and down. Um, the data might show him that, oh, well, hey, that, that's been general practice, but actually the numbers show five degrees or I, I'm making numbers up here, but these slight tweaks because we've never had this level of granular data in the sport. Um, and I think there's another really important topic you hit there. Um, and it's the, 
we're talking about performance and performance improvements and that's what we're kind of doing, but let's actually relate it back to gymnastics because that was, you know, scoring too. It wasn't just training and performance, but also the competition itself. This is definitely going to become a much, much bigger thing when we come to, uh, you know, signing players and contracts and things like that, where these advanced stats, um, the good old, uh, uh, back in the A's Moneyball days, um, yeah, they had a number of stats. They're able to use them to kind of build their team and all. But it's very, very different. Um, you had that note that in 2015, the Statcast first came up. Um, the Tampa Bay Rays on day one told all their players, "Hey, we we batting average, which has been the gold standard at that point for let's say 100 years in the MLB as a hitting metric, we don't care about that. You're going to be evaluated based on the exit velocity of the balls you hit. So how hard you're hitting the ball, in other words, um, because we have the technology to do it." Now, with this next level of data, exit velocity isn't the only thing. It's going to be exit velocity with launch angle, with the specific spin rotation after you hit the ball. It's just the level of data is unbelievable. And and even kind of looking after that, like just getting beyond just getting signed in training, you might, and there's just speculation about longevity of players, looking at the data, looking at how they, their trends are um, over the past couple of years you could get a better idea of like the longevity and which can really factor, you know, contract length. Absolutely. And you, you start talking about, yeah, risk mitigation with a player that, uh, again, there might've been back in the day, it's always been this thing with this, you know, are they just a star for a year? They have a good contract year because they knew they're getting paid off this or is it I a long-term thing? Have that a little bit. And we still do, but I bet you're going to start seeing less and less of that contract year performance because it's not actually the contract or, you know, again, your batting average that spiked hundred points. They might be able to go back and look and see, okay, there's three possibilities here. One, you have been the same player you've always been. All of these advanced stats, all of what this LiDAR technology, your body movements are being able to show us is you've pretty much always been the same player. You just were lucky this year. You know, batted, batting average on balls in play is one of those uh, metrics that they kind of look at. And it's amazing how a guy can have an MVP year and then have what you probably consider, you know, an average, maybe even slightly subpar year. And you look at the peripheral metrics and they're doing the same thing. Sometimes you hit it hard and it goes to a guy. Sometimes you don't. It, it, it just happens. But a team's going to be able to understand that better. They're going to be able to get that information. They're going to be able to potentially take this portfolio view um, that some people talk about of instead of putting all your eggs in one basket, with all this additional information, you're going to be able to realize that there's more baskets I should be putting my eggs in. I'm, I'm going to distribute this even further. Um, and then, as you mentioned, not to, we haven't even really fully touched on the exact specifics of a contract and how you're going to structure a contract based on this, the length of a contract. There's just so much that could go in from all this advanced data. Literally the tip of the iceberg. If it's used effectively. (laughs) Yes, if it's used effectively. Otherwise, you are just drowning in data and you're a little overwhelmed and you don't know where to look. A problem we see a a lot with uh, internally here and with clients that, so yeah, the challenge out there for the MLB teams this year is going to be, you have all this amazing technology which of you have taken this seriously and invested in an entire analytics department and which of you is still using one or two scouts who happen to be pretty good at, you know, trig back in the day and are saying that's your analytics department. Um, and because those ones that are really using it and really understand what's going, they're pushing the envelope. Um, they're taking every one of these data points and they aren't taking that. You've mentioned those 30, uh, data points, 30 different data points a second with 18 different dimensions on each of them. If you have people that are looking at the, well, let's look at it once every second, look at these three versus the guys that are running all of this into massive operating systems and that they've built, you're going to see a real difference. And uh, again, it, it excites me to know that hopefully it's my teams that I love doing the right stuff, but 
this divergence in technology uh, that it's going to open up, I think, between certain organizations. It's going to be really, really interesting to see. Mm -hmm. I fully agree with that. So anyway, that was the baseball and gymnastics again, two, I think you'd say very different sports. Very, uh, very different. Yeah, just, just you know. All, Equally fun to watch. Absolutely. For me, at least. Some absolutely. Some might not agree. Hey, no, I, again, I, I'm not I'm not trash gymnastics. I sure can't do it, but that doesn't mean that I don't find it impressive. But two very different ways where these advancing technologies and what you're going to be able to do with LiDAR is truly going to change the sport. It's not just going to be a cool advancement for those of us watching on TV. It's not just going to be an additional data point for teams necessarily. It's going to change the way that we look at these sports, the way we consume these sports, the way that people eventually broadcast these sports. You mentioned the camera angles and all. There's so many angles to, I would say, sports as a business, not even just sports as sports that are going to be influenced by this. And it's just a really cool thing to look at. And there's, a, you know, I feel like we're just scratching the surface with what all we'll be even be able to do, not just with the data we currently like with the capabilities we currently have, but just what can we do in the future like that's that's just like mind-boggling to me it's like we have all this really cool stuff already like what's what's next exactly in 2015 i thought statcast was the coolest thing ever and i thought oh, I how are they ever going to get more information than this well here we are in 2028 2025 2030 whatever it may be what's it going to be and what are we gonna be able to do and it, it and again we're just we've zoomed in really close on two specific sports here in gymnastics and the mlb or baseball i should say and there's so many other sports. There's so many other things that are touched by this. Uh, just real quick, let's let's shift quickly over to like the business world and the outside thing. What's obviously been the biggest story the last year? COVID-19. COVID. Um, the term social distancing that you've all heard many, many, many times. And companies, there's a company called Inside, um, was just recently acquired by CrowdVision, that they've been able to adapt this LiDAR technology that they originally had for airports to monitor kind of passenger traffic, reducing crowds. Actually, I remember they rolled out DFW a few years ago, and that's why they have those cool signs up that's like, hey, 40-minute wait time here for security, but if you walk down 20 gates to the next point, there's only my, five. My favorite part about airports now with the technology is when they tell you where a parking space is. It's exactly. a little drop-down lights yes, that say, yes. hey, there's an open spot instead of driving around for 50 minutes and almost missing your flight. That little green light there is uh, incredibly helpful until you realize <laughs> so it's helpful. a motorcycle. It's just missing the sensor, and then you get mad again. But I can't I, I can't get too mad about that one. It, it, things happen, right? But what they're able to do with the social distancing capabilities is as stadiums start opening back up, actually a kind of a cool announcement, they're going to be at 100% capacity, they said, for the Rangers this year at the home ballpark. So that'll be interesting to see. But for a lot of other sporting events, arenas, stuff like that, what you're going to see is that they want to implement some level of social distancing. They want to, they want to get as many people in as they safely can, whatever that may be, whatever kind of the local guidelines are. And they're going to be able to use this LiDAR technology, and they already are using this LiDAR technology to enforce social distancing, to identify where certain, you know, whether it's two people or whether it's two groups or two sections when there's something off. I looked into it and it's like there's a it's almost like heat mapping in a way. Yeah, yeah. So they can see, hey, this part of the ballpark is I'm just using baseball, for example. Mm -hmm. This part of the ballpark is that has way too many people that aren't properly distanced compared to this other part. We need to go and kind of address those issues, maybe move people around. Um, it is great considering, I mean, I know tech, like Texas had 25 uh, percent capacity at mm -hmm. their games last year. Um, which I will say I did enjoy kind of being able to like stretch <laughs> out, not really kind of feel like packed in there like a sardine. Um, All it takes is one socially distant sporting event to make you realize that 
man, it would be nice if every sporting event was socially distanced. This is kind of fun. <laughs> man, I don't like crowds. <laughs> That's kind of what it came to. And there were much less longer or the much shorter lines for beer. Oh, yes, which is another another great uh, uh, never going to hear me complain about that one. And it's just it's so cool that this technology, um, again, we have companies especially operate in the drone surveying space that do a lot here. Um, it's so cool that this technology to be able to do so much. And again, yeah, that uh, you touched on it. We're at the very, very tip of the iceberg with this stuff. What are we going to be able to do in the future? Um, I, if you had asked me five years ago, I thought it was so cool. The idea that they were starting to talk about putting like chips. Yeah. The balls. RFID chips. Yeah. Like how cool was this was. 2017 when that was implemented. Yeah. And it was like, this is so cool. Like pretty soon we're going to have this like the thing that always immediately comes to mind is the goal line like stretch in football. The did the nose of the football break it. And, you know, right now we're still relying on the the kind of the two uh, frames. Cams. Yes, exactly. And you're looking at two frames and neither one it is, but it looks trying like to, you kind of swoop see by. underneath yeah. the player. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's so hard. Whose, whose body is that? <laughs> I always thought and I thought for a decade now, like pretty, they're going to eventually have these footballs that just have like a million computer chips in them and they're going to have little sensors all over the field that are going to eventually. Yeah, we were talking about yeah. that on, what was it, Tuesday? Yeah, this week. Yeah. But it's not going to be that. It doesn't need to be that because LIDAR and the technology of just the imaging and the positioning that's capable with these surveying equipments, they're going to do that same thing, except it's going to be with a couple of cameras running around. They don't need a whatever my $10,000 football was here or whatever that I had, had dreamed up. Um, another one, it's you know soccer and hockey, big yeah. sports for people. They, Biggest things, offsides calls. I'm a big hockey fan. Yes. And big the, hockey fan. Um, but yeah, I mean, offsides calls, that's very, very visual. And yes. Believe me, my sister played soccer from the time she could pretty much walk until she was 19. And I was constantly at the games because my parents took me to the games because I didn't have any. I was the baby of the family. I got brought along everywhere, um, which I did have a lot of fun. That's actually where my love of data started. Fun fact. Um, Not going to go into that story. Um, (laughs) But I just remember just screaming at the refs like, are you kidding me? Little five year old me just like, like running along the sidelines. Like, she was, she wasn't off sides, and it's ridiculous. But even in like professionals leagues, I mean, in hockey, you don't have off sides, but you do have the goal line tracking. So when the puck crosses the goal line, you do have that. So I would love to be able to see that implemented, yeah, implemented in off sides calls to kind of get rid of those angry fans. And they, they've come a long way, but like hockey, we'll talk about that goal line stuff. They've come a long way with really cool cameras, high tech cameras to be able to get all these shots and put them together. But there are still times when, again, it, it, it's down to no matter how fine a resolution the camera is, there's still that one angle that, you know, that some ice got sprayed up on it. So there's a little wet and there's a little glare on the lens. And is it in or is it out? With this kind of technology and the accuracy it can provide, you, you don't have to worry. Just go to the system. Go to the go to what soccer has done with the goal line technology that they've been able to do because it, it is accurate. It's incredible. And uh, eventually, again, we'll get into the judging being taken over. You know, again, I, I think human judging in sports by, you know, let's say 2030, 2040 is probably almost completely removed. We've, we've you know, invented the technologies or advanced to a point that there's just no reason for it unless there's going to be some traditional. I mean, sports. I think you'll I think you'll still have, you know, referees in football or hockey oh, or you'll anything. Have referees. Not to, you'll have referees. We um, have judges is the question. Or will the judge be a computer program loaded up based on the 300 cameras? that are uh, around the arena it will uh, it will i agree it will actually pretty much be taken over i'm just thinking about 
uh, my times when I was volunteering at gymnastics meet doing like data entry and the judges would have to go back and rescore things um, just because one judge saw something different than another judge mm -hmm. and their like their score variations were too far off. So they had to come back and the head judge would have to be like, okay, well, you actually come up two tenths um, and you come down one. So judging it, it, there's a lot that goes into it. And luckily, I mean, they do take a lot of courses. Uh, those courses are hours and days long just to be able to judge. So I'm, I'm not complaining too much about that. But I mean, you're always going to have that human error while you still have it doesn't humans. matter. It doesn't matter how even keel the person is, unbiased they are, how you know they're paying as close of attention. It's still human. Yeah, it's, it's still, still issues. So it's gonna be interesting to see where he goes, and even into other sports that we know and love as a Cowboys fan. Ah, uh, Des still caught it. I don't it's, think Des caught it. Oh, Des still <laughs> caught it. That we, was fun. Fun fact that TC is about to literally roll his eyes about because I said I would not bring this up, but uh, back in my college days. <laughs> Um, my, I was still so heated about that catch that for our big little reveal for my sorority, I did Des caught and I wore a Des Bryant jersey. I made my, I made a shirt for my little Molly who gave me so much grief for it. Cause she was like, this is what I'm getting into. Okay. <laughs> but I made a shirt for her that looks like a football. And so I literally have a picture of me holding her and the caption was Des Des still caught it. See, you, you asked Des, you asked Mike McCarthy now, he's with the Cowboys, he caught it and stuff, but you know what would have uh, solved all this? You ask the NFL now and they say, yeah, Des caught it. And we're like, well, that doesn't help us now, does it? Does not, but LIDAR would have helped. So it'll be interesting the next time. I I don't think it'll be Des, but hey, he's still hanging around some capacity. Maybe it will be Des again, but that Super Bowl defining moment, that game defining moment. That, that heartbreaking defining moment. <laughs> for good or bad. It's going to happen, and it's this technology, the capture of data, and the utilization of that data that's going to enable it, and that's what's so exciting about this topic. All righty, folks, we're going to sign off here. Shannon, Before I tell too many other random stories that PC rolls his eyes at. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to run over on time here, but thank you so, so much for joining me, Shannon. I really enjoyed it. appreciate you being part of this, and we'll definitely do it again in the near future. All right. Sounds good. I had a lot of fun, so. Hey, maybe you, you got your own podcast coming in the future. With that, folks, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Diving in Data. And until next time, see ya.